0: Good morning, everyone. I have some good news for you today. And the good news is that the GPI, the Global Peace Index, shows that in 2019, the average country score for peace improved by (laughs) 0.09%. So that's good news, that uh, the average country is getting a little bit better, though it's kind of minuscule. But, you know, when you have good news, you always have bad news as well, right? And the bad news is that in the last 10 years, peace has declined. It has declined at a 3.78% rate. So, even though we've had a minuscule improvement in 2019, the reality is that peace continues to erode away quickly, especially over the last 10 years. Now, in case you're wondering where we fit as a country, as a nation, in that whole GPI, there are 163 countries that are measured, and we're number 128, which is kind of surprising. Think about it. I thought we were more peaceful than that. We actually fit in between South Africa and Saudi Arabia. And you wonder to yourself, why is that? Well, the last 10 years, we've had an increase in homicides and violent crimes and political instability, and so we get such a low ranking. Now, if you want to move to the most peaceful country on earth, because there is a number one, then all you have to do is pack your bags and your parka and go to Iceland, because routinely Iceland finishes at the top. And there's probably a reason why, and I'll let you think about that. But here's the reality there is no truly lasting peace on earth. That's just the way it is. There hasn't been, and there never will be, till the Lord returns and rules this earth and brings his peace. But until then, we struggle to have peace on earth. We even struggle to have peace in our lives and our relationships, don't we? We would be honest with each other. We would say, it's hard to always have lasting peace, even in your marriage. Do you and your spouse ever not get along like this morning? It's always, it's hard to keep peace in our families, with our children. It's hard to have peace sometimes in the neighborhood with our neighbors or with our coworkers. It's even hard sometimes to have peace at church. Can you believe that? We struggle with it. We struggle with it even personally. We don't always have a peaceful mind. Our emotions sometimes lack peace. And even spiritually, we struggle at times to have a lasting sense of peace in our lives. You say, well, Pastor, are you telling me then that peace is impossible in this lifetime? Yes, that's what I'm saying. If, there it is, if we're gonna come at it from a human perspective. That is, if we're gonna try to initiate peace, it's not gonna happen. Doesn't matter how much education, doesn't matter how many how much politicking, doesn't matter how much therapy, doesn't matter how much money we spend. I mean, we've had tens of thousands of years of trying to get it straight. And with all that we have accomplished and achieved in the 21st century, we are no closer to peace if not further from peace. So humanly speaking, it cannot be done. But with God, all things are possible. And with God, yes, we can know peace. We can know peace in our lives, and we have the potential of knowing even peace in our relationships, in our church and even beyond if it's oriented and sourced from the Spirit of God himself. But in order for that to happen, we have to overcome a problem that really I think is the big obstacle to peace in our lives and peace in our relationships and peace in our, in our world. And I would like to say that as a follower of Christ, we don't struggle with this problem, but the truth is, we do. And that is our propensity to believe that the cause for lack of peace is always somebody else's fault. It's the other person, it's him or her or them. If they would change, then we would have peace. Then I would have peace. I mean, If your spouse changed a little bit, wouldn't you have more peace? If your kids adjusted a bit, wouldn't there be more peace in your family? If your boss got his act or her act together, there'd be more peace at work. If your co-workers changed their ways, there'd be more peace. If the Republicans would shape up, we'd have more peace. If the Democrats would shape up, we'd have more peace. If the Muslims would behave themselves, we'd have more peace. If the Christians or Jews would behave themselves, we'd have more peace. It's the gays. It's the straight. It's a certain race or ethnicity. It's the immigrants. See how we always project out? It's them. If they change, I'd have more peace. In fact, I came across an article uh, yesterday. And it said that in our nation, nine out of ten drivers believe that Driving in the snow and all the issues that go with it are other people's fault. They're the ones that cause the accidents. They're the ones that cause us to go off the roads. It's somebody else's fault. And as long as we keep pointing fingers, we will never know peace in our lives. Something has to change. Let me introduce you to a principle. You want to jot it down? You can. Otherwise, we'll put it on the blog so you can catch it later. But the principle is simply this. I, so you got to personalize it. I need to recognize that only I can be responsible for peace in my life. It doesn't depend on others or on my circumstances. Remember last weekend we talked about hope. And we said you can't put your hope in circumstances because circumstances are circumstantial. They change. I can't depend on you, I can't depend on my wife, my kids, or anybody else for peace in my life. That's my responsibility. That's a choice I have to make with God. And if I wait for you to create peace for me, it's just never going to happen. So I've got to take ownership of that. I've got to take responsibility for it myself. Which raises an interesting question. Since we're talking about peace, what is peace? What is peace? Well, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, so let's all say that together, shalom, and the Greek equivalent is ereine, let's say that together, one, two, three, ereine, so you've learned some Hebrew and Greek, right? Shalom, ereine, what does shalom and arene mean? Well, shalom and arene mean basically the same thing, it means to complete or to make whole. To complete or to make something whole again. So when we talk about having peace in our lives, or peace in our relationships, our family, or even peace in our church, what we're talking about is what? We're talking about becoming whole or becoming complete. But I thought I'd give you a visual picture of it instead of just uh, just talking about it. And so what I have here is a thousand piece puzzle, jigsaw puzzle. How many of you enjoy doing puzzles? Wow, man, I, I just don't have the patience for puzzles. And a thousand piecer takes a long time, but look at this beautiful picture. It's a very serene picture. It looks like a glacial kind of lake, and there's mountains there and snow-capped, and it just looks very, very peaceful. But when you open the puzzle up, when you take the, the lid off of it, what you uncover inside is what, what I would call Chaos. All right? A thousand pieces that make that beautiful picture. And you know, the only way to get that picture is you got to put these pieces out on a table. You got to make sure you turn them the right way up, and this one's blue on both sides. It's hard for me to figure out which is the right way, except one's shinier than the other. And then you got to fit them together. And it takes time to find the right piece to fit the other right piece. Because if you put the wrong pieces together, you try to jam them together, anybody ever been guilty of that? You end up with a picture that's kind of ugly, it just does not look right. My grandson, Harrison, my oldest grandson Harrison, taught me a lot about this a couple of years ago. Marsha and I bought him a Lego set, the millennial falcon uh, spaceship. and. Uh, He's good at Legos, like he is so good that ever since he's been a little guy, he can do Lego sets that are way beyond his age, and what it says in the box should be his capacity. So he's got an engineering kind of mind. Well we don't see them often, and so we've got him this millennial falcon, took it all the way over to Austria, and I thought to myself, I'm going to kind of get down on the floor with him, and we're going to do this together. Now they call me Papa, so it's going to be Papa and grandson working on this thing together. And so we're on the floor. opens it up, he's got all the pieces arranged in the right places, and he's working on some things, and I get my hands in there, and I decide to help him out a little bit. But I'm not, I don't have a very good engineering mind, and I'm trying to put these pieces together, and I, I could tell I was annoying him, because every once in a while he kind of look over like, what are you doing? But he was kind, and he kind of let it go, and, and I was, you know, I'm still struggling to make it fit. And finally he goes, Papa, stop it. I said, what? He goes, you're forcing those together, because you're going to break it. Can you, can you just stop and watch? <laughs> I took my fingers out. I was kind of resting on my left elbow, and, and I watched, and he kind of did one of those I don't know where he learned that from, but anyway. And then I watched, and and within a couple of hours he completed it. I got a a little show-off picture of him here holding that thing. I mean, it was complicated, and he did a great job. But the lesson I learned is I need to keep my hands out of it. I need to let him do what he is so good at. And the same thing is true when it comes to our relationship with God. We need to let God put the pieces together and keep our fingers out of it. If you think about it for a moment, when God created this world, it was like a beautiful puzzle that He put together. He created all the pieces, and then He joined those pieces and fitted them together and created a beautiful world. And He created us, and and we were so beautiful. It was all good. And God said to Adam and Eve, now I want you just to be in the puzzle. I want you to enjoy what I've created around you and for you, and be who I've created you to be. Don't mess with the puzzle. And then the evil one showed up in the garden, didn't he? And the evil one said, you know what? You can create your own picture. Why do you want to fit into God's picture? Just take the puzzle apart, and you create the the picture. You be God. You do it. And of course, we know what our original parents did. They took it apart, and they rearranged it. And what did they create? A grotesque picture that is our world today, where there's no peace, and where there's fracturing, and where things don't fit together. Because when I try to do life my way, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work, and we've been living with history. And evidence that it doesn't work when we try to do it our way. We've got to keep out of the picture. We've got to leave peace to God, which sounds good. You know, when I say that, it sounds good to say what we need to do is we just need to trust God as the only source of perfect peace. But the problem is, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but sometimes when we try to do that, it feels like God's got the wrong pieces he's trying to put together. He's like, God, I'm not sure you have the right peace because I can't imagine why you would allow cancer. I can't imagine why you would allow me to experience grief and loss. I can't imagine why you'd allow me to have these difficulties at work or in my relationships or in our family. And we want to get in there and help God out. But to know peace means to let it alone and trust that God knows what he's doing And sometimes it's hard to do when it feels like our lives are in a bit of a hurricane. So let's go to the Word of God because we need the Word to help us then understand peace. And I want to take you to Isaiah. Though peace is spoken of throughout the Scriptures, I want to take you in particular to a chapter and a couple verses in Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. You may know these verses. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says... You, meaning God, will keep me in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Now, when you look at that verse, by the way, I added me in there, but, you know, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. When you look at that verse, what does that verse seem to be all about? Well, I read that, and it sounds to me like it's it's all about trust and then you'll have peace. But that's not what the verse is all about. If you look at the verse carefully, all right, you'll see that there's an awful lot of references to God. You will keep me in perfect peace, all who trust in you, he says, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, he says, trust in the Lord, always for the Lord God is eternal rock. That's a lot of referencing to God. So who's that verse all about? Talk to me. It's all about God. It's all about God. That's the first primary thing we see in the verse. God is the source. It's all about God. My responsibility is to take my trust, right, and to fix it on who? I'm to fix it on the Lord, I'm to fix it on God. That's what Isaiah is telling me. That's my responsibility. He's in control, all right, and I am being called by Him to fix, focus my trust. And God says the result is going to be peace, which introduces us to a principle, another principle. We experience peace in our lives to the degree that we trust God with our lives. So I experience peace in my life to the extent that I am willing to trust God with my life. Remember when you were parents, if you were a parent and are a parent, Remember the first time you took your firstborn child and gave him or her to your parents or to a friend or to a babysitter? Remember how awkward, how it was kind of scary, wasn't it? That first child and you kind of hand them over, you are trusting them with your child. God says, you'll know peace in your life when you trust me with your life, when you, place, when you place yourself in my hands and let go, which is hard to do, because we always want to kind of keep our hands involved in the situation. But you know, while it's easy to make that statement, as I mentioned earlier, it's hard to practice that when, when it feels like God isn't being very careful with our baby, God isn't being very careful with our lives. Can I really trust God? The answer is yes. You can trust God. Let me give you a couple reasons why. You can trust God because God is unchanging, right? He's not, he's not fickle. He's not going to go halfway down the road and change again. There are a bunch of uh, scriptures here. I don't have time to go through them. But for instance, God cannot lie. Isn't that good news? Well, I think it is. Is that good news? Yes. Secondly, he is always faithful. Thirdly, his promises are trustworthy. Fourthly, he works all things out for his purposes. So knowing that about God, knowing that God is indeed unchanging, that he keeps his word, he's going to do something with my life, even though I may not understand it, I can have peace. But let's press this a little bit further. Let's go back to the text again. In verse 4 it says, trust in the Lord, for the Lord God is the what? He is the eternal rock. Well, what does that mean, that God is the eternal rock? Well, it means He's forever, without beginning and without end, a rock. And what does it mean when it says that He is a rock? Well, the best way to understand that actually, an illustration of it, is one of the most loved hymns. Rock of Ages. You know, the chorus is, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Now, the person that wrote that was a guy by the name of Augustus Toplady. He was uh, was from England, and he happened to be walking along the Cheddar Gorge, which is this kind of dangerous area of England. Got to be careful where you step. And all of a sudden, just sheets of rain started coming down like rain that kind of cuts you. It was just hard. It was pouring down. He was a young man, and he sought shelter, and he ended up finding shelter underneath the overhang of a large rock. And there as he hid inside of that and watched the rain going on around him, he wrote those words. Rock of ages, eternal. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. I will know peace in my life when I hide myself, when I enfold myself within God, when I take my place within God himself. I said this before, but what I mean is when I get to that place in my life where I believe that if I have God, I have more than enough. That's when I have peace. Not my circumstances, not money, not things, not relationships. But if, I, if all I have is God, I have enough. If I believe that with all my heart and my mind, then I have peace. And I suggest that's something you have to work at every day. At least I do. It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come easily. Because the world around us tells us we have to have all these other things to have peace. And in material uh, culture, material world, that's hard to do. Because the message is constantly coming, you need this, you need her, you need him, you need that in order to have peace. It's funny watching the commercials right now on television for Christmas, isn't it? You know all the things you need to buy to make him or her or them happy. You now, if I have God, I have enough, and I. And I can have, and, and I can know, and I can experience peace. Well, well, God is unchanging, but I also want you to know something else about God, because I want you to really trust Him. God is also unfailing. God is unshakable. He doesn't fail. He cannot fail. Isn't that good news? So here's a principle. We experience peace in our lives when we realize how entirely redeemed we are. You say, what do you mean by redeemed? I mean how entirely put back together we are. See, when God looks at you and me now, he sees us in his son. He sees us as though we are Jesus. So I'm not Jesus. I know you're not. But he lives in you. And the rest of your life till you get to glory is him putting you into the image that he already sees. It's kind of like the puzzle box. The The image is already there. We see what it looks like. Sanctification, that big word that we use, describes how God is putting us together to eventually we actually look like that when we stand before Him. And it happens in different ways. Let me show you how it happens. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 1 with me. Paul says, therefore, since we have been made right—well, who made us right? God made us right. In God's sight, by faith, we have, oh, there's that word, we have peace with God. You know, you cannot have the peace of God to you have peace with God. And Christ makes it possible for us to have peace with God. He says we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Well, what did he do for us? He died our death so we can live his life. He made us right with his Abba. Say, so we can cry out, He's my Abba too. He's your Abba too. Do you believe that? Do you believe God is your Abba? Do you think of Him that way? Do you talk to Him that way? You can, because Christ has made you right. So I have peace with God, but, but watch what happens. Not only do I have peace with God, but now Christ in me ministers peace to my life. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, he says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. It says, then you're going to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. He says, His peace will guard your hearts and minds. As you live, finish it with me, in Christ Jesus. So, as you live in Christ Jesus, so it is is Christ who is the source of this peace, and I pray to access that, so to speak. As I bring my mind and heart before the Lord, as I lay every turbulence in my life before Him, and I hide in Him, He ministers peace to me. Through his presence and through his grace, living in you and me. Paul says in Romans 8 that the Spirit of God lives in us. Now watch this, Ephesians 2.14. It says, for he himself, there it is, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So what is peace? Christ is peace. And if I have Christ, I have peace. Do you see how that goes against the current of material culture? I hope we, I hope we and me, I include myself, hope we can get our minds around that. Peace is Christ. It is nothing else. That's why I said, humanly speaking, we'll never have peace, because peace is Christ. It is Christ in our lives, and it is Christ in our lives in the midst of difficulty. The first time I flew into Israel back in the 90s, you had to fly in, you got off at the tarmac, you got escorted into the airport, and you would be greeted oftentimes. There would be guards standing there with machine guns in their hands, and as you walked across the tarmac, they would say shalom to you, which I always thought was kind of odd to have somebody holding a gun saying peace. Well, what they understand is peace is not something on the outside. Peace is on the inside. That's what shalom means. It is the peace or it is the the presence of Christ living in and through our lives. And then I just have one more verse. I want you to look at Psalm 37 and verse 37. He says, look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. Well, ultimately, who is peace? It is Christ. A wonderful future awaits those who love Christ and loves the peace of Christ. And the future is we're going to be glorified someday. Someday the whole puzzle will be put together. Someday we will see him face to face and we will finally know peace completed in our lives. But I want to introduce you to a concept that maybe you've never thought about before, that brings us all home so that we can know peace in our lives now. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, the Lord God is eternal rock. And I want you to look at this word thoughts in other versions of the Bible. It is mind, whose mind is stayed on you did a little word study on that word, that Hebrew word for thoughts or mind, and it's very interesting. It literally means imagination. It means creative imagination in the original Hebrew. So what he's saying is, God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose creative imagination are fixed on you, God. Oh, by the way, I forgot an announcement. I don't know why these things happen now. But, you know, the weather's gotten really cold. I don't know if you noticed, but it feels like January and December. It's going to get really cold next week. And what that's done is we've had a little problem here because all the critters have decided to come inside to get warm. And, And we have had an infestation of spiders show up. And the funny thing, they've been showing up in this worship center. So if you feel something kind of crawling up your leg, don't worry about it. All right, or up your neck or something like that. They're, they're harmless. There are no tarantulas in the building. But you may feel something right now kind of making its way up your leg. And I just don't, don't want you to get upset about that. That's not true. So why would you do that for? Because the imagination is a powerful, powerful tool. Studied this. I've, been, uh, I've done a little bit of work in this area. And what we, what we know of is this, that if you imagine it, you will actually experience it even though it's not happening. So when I said to you there are spiders, some of you, you won't be honest about it, but some of you started to feel something on your leg. You suddenly reached down and went, in case, right? Why is that? Because the minute I mention it and you start to imagine it, you actually start to feel it. Well, who created the imagination? You ever thought about that? Who created your imagination? God gave you an imagination. Why did God give you an imagination? So that you could understand him better. So you could conceive in your mind who God is and what God is like. See there are two sides of us. There's the intellectual side of us, which is so important. I mean, the intellect in us is what reads, what understands, what sees, what knows, and we have a habit of divorcing it from the imagination. You can't divorce it. They belong together. The intellect uses the imagination to understand and know who God is. God wants you informed by the truth to use your imagination. If you look at the Bible carefully, Revelation is just filled with imagination. Every time Jesus told a parable, he was... Asking us to use our imagination. How does a camel go through the eye of a needle? (laughs) Jesus was always invoking the imagination to try to understand spiritual truth. And in this case, he's saying, use your imagination to understand peace. Imagine peace. Imagine the peace of Christ, and you'll experience the peace of Christ living in you and living through you. It is one of the best gifts that God gives to us. This gift, this gift of peace is beautiful. Do you know that gift? Is that gift in you? Are you living in the peace of Christ? does not matter what the world is like outside, doesn't matter what might be going outside of you, doesn't matter what may be happening to you, nothing can touch the peace, the peace that God gives you and me. How appropriate it is then that Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 9. He said to us, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, then what? Prince of Peace. Now the greatness of his government and peace, someday on earth, there will be no end. Augustus' top lady wrote that song, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee. It was printed in 1776, interesting year. But in 1778, he died, a young man, about 38 years old. He died of tuberculosis. You wonder how somebody who wrote that song must have felt on their dying bed, struck down in the prime of their life. And I want you to listen to the words that he wrote before he died. He says, my heart beats every day, stronger and stronger for glory. Glory. Sickness is no affliction, pain no cause. Death itself, no disillusion. My prayers are now all converted to praise. That's a man that knows peace. Do you?